I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Friday Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Johnson. Uh, today, I am joined by Ryan Labner. Uh, he is a senior writer at the Golf Channel, also a co-host to the Golf Channel's Rex and Lav show, uh, Golf Podcast. So uh, I wanted to have Ryan come on uh, and just talk about everything going on in golf. Obviously, we get Tiger Woods back this weekend um, at the Hero. Uh, he gave a press conference, talked in detail about his his comeback as well as uh, the framework agreement. So, figured it was time to kind of catch up on what's going on on the PGA Tour, uh, and then we do just a little bit of a recap of uh, of the year in golf as well. At the end, I have to uh, apologize. This was a very early morning recording in uh, in California, and uh, I I forgot to uh, switch on the audio onto my mic, so it recorded through my computer. So it might be a little bit of a throwback episode in terms of audio quality to the early days of the of uh, the Friday Golf Podcast for those uh, listeners that have been with us for a long time. I apologize for that. Uh, it's not terrible. It's uh, it's far from our worst audio, but that is uh, that is why my audio is not uh, like the audio you're hearing right now. So thank you guys, and uh, we will be back next week with some new episodes. But here is Ryan Lavner. All right, we're back. Ryan Lavner, um, senior writer at Golf Channel, uh, co-host of the uh, Golf Channel podcast with uh, Rex and Lav. Ryan, it's uh, it's been a minute. It's been since the uh, the PGA Championship when we were talking about garbage plates. That's right. Yeah, my hometown major grew up about thirty minutes south of there. I did not actually have a garbage plate oh, uh, come on. this year. I I was not I was not ready to sign up for the indigestion, but uh, maybe maybe next time I go home. Did you did you think about it? Was there a moment in time oh. when when it was like present and you opted for another dish? Absolutely. Like when I boarded the flight back home, I typically go to Bill Gray's like right before. And I decided I was going to be a grown up and not subject to fellow passengers uh, to a, to a post garbage plate experience. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that might be TMI. It might be TMI. <laughs> Anyways, we're, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the golf world. I feel like this is like becoming a full calendar year uh, uh, sport. I, I think much like a lot of sports, I think I think almost every sports writer would say that with like, you know, popularity of free agency. I, you know, I was going to bring you on to talk about what, what you thought Graham McDowell's addition to Smash Brings, but I really, uh, you know, Tiger jumped on that news. Tiger's back at the Hero. Uh, what did you think of his press conference and uh, what are your kind of expectations for Tiger moving forward? Yeah, I thought the press conference was interesting. It was essentially two different press conferences, and it's very rare that Tiger's health, the state of his game, his form, his expectations for the following year, like kind of take a backseat. But I thought it was it was definitely a secondary story 
to what we had when Tiger addressed the media uh, on Tuesday. It was the first time we'd heard from him, obviously, since the June 6 deal was announced. And Rex asked me the other day, like, what's what's the first word you would use to describe Tiger's mood when describing it? I said he was pissed. Like, he was definitely uh, condemning PG Tour leadership more than I thought. Like, I think his his silence over the past several months spoke volumes in the sense that he didn't give a uh, vote of support or confidence for PG Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan. But to hear him say repeatedly uh, that can't happen and it won't happen again in regards to the, the players being left out of any crucial decisions uh, regarding the PJ Tour's future, I thought that was very striking. You, as somebody on the inside, I, I think this is uh, an interesting, you know, with him talking about the players being left out, I feel like one of the reasons they were left out is that the tour is kind of a, a leaky faucet. If you let players in, then within a couple, you know, a couple hours, everybody's in. Um, you know, there, there are really no secrets. It's kind of like high school. It's, a, it's like a high school gossip scene. So do you think that there's a way that, you know, you can get a deal done without everybody, you know, it becoming discussed greatly? Is that is that where we're heading? I, I, I to, to that point, like I remember the Delaware meeting last year, I was covering the BMW championship. And uh, the morning after that, there was a pro-am uh, at the golf course. And I remember going up to a bunch of guys and this was like, eight or 9am. And it was like, Oh, like we signed a, we signed a blood oath. Like we absolutely cannot talk about this. And then like the more time you gave them, they're like, okay, we can, we can shed some details. And like by, by the afternoon and then certainly by Thursday morning, like all the details, all the details of what was actually discussed uh, had been put out uh, in, in the open. You know, I, I find, I find it interesting in, in, in a couple different respects. Like Tiger was clearly frustrated at the pace that this is going. Uh, Roy McIlroy has left the board. Uh, I, the the reasons that he did so were understandable, but the timing of that decision, I think, just just prompts so many other questions. You know, was the private equity piece handled? He knew that, and he felt like it was the right time to step away. Was he in that marathon meeting on Monday of RSM week? And then decided, oh my God, like we're nowhere near the finish line. Like I'm getting out before I get dragged into something for the for the uh, foreseeable future that's dragging deep into 2024. Like it just leaves so many questions. And I I don't know how you feel about this, Andy. Like PJ Tour players are not they don't have the background. They're not educated enough to make this deal. You know, this is a deal that needs to be done between savvy businessmen. Now, should PJ Tour players have input on what a worldwide schedule should look like, what the what the flow of the schedule should look like, where they should be playing, how much is adequate to be playing for. Absolutely. But to but to make business decisions still just seems a, a little a little wild to me that Tiger Woods is kind of at the at the forefront of this uh when he doesn't necessarily have that sort of background. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of super intelligent PGA tour players, but like, I think I agree with what you said. And I think it's like coming out in a lot of comments. And obviously, I think it's important to remember like the loud, the squeakiest wheel isn't all, all the wheels. Like the Lanto Griffin comments, like recently yeah. where he's talking about, you know, the tours paying off Rory 
with like these sponsors, it's like, well, sponsors want to sponsor high profile players who are on yeah. TV, right? Like, you know, but I think some of the players are the louder players um, are generally the ones that are like, might be giving all the players a bad rap. But in general, I think this deal needs to be done with a little bit of input from a few select players. But it mostly needs to be done at the business level because it's it's inter- like I think one of the things that I thought ran counter right with what what this business what this deal has to be about and Tiger's press conference was Tiger talking about like how he's trying to retain the tour like we're trying to like keep the tour and and the values and all this stuff. If you're if somebody's going to give you a couple billion dollars like they're talking about the tour has to change. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. And I and I don't think I think that's like the right now the real problem here is that the vast majority of players don't want anything to change, which is you know, the top players want to get paid more money. The bottom players don't want the top players to get paid more money. But in a way, the bottom players are doing the same thing the top players are doing to the other levels of golf. They don't want to go anywhere either. You know, they, they don't want to have re- real relegation. They want as many ways to save their career. So you have all of these, like, with the PGA Tour, you have all these individuals who, ha- who have effectively the same self-interest. They don't want a lot of changes, and they want extreme job security, Right. And if at the top end of the uh, at the top end of the uh, game, they don't want to have to be subjected to a rigorous like you're here schedule. They want to still have the autonomous nature of like I get to pick where I play, and they want to play for more and more money. But like anybody that's investing a lot of money into the PGA Tour is investing money into the PGA Tour because they see potential if you if you kind of renovate the PGA Tour's model. If you rethink it, could this sports league be worth billions of more dollars than it's worth today? So I think that's the the tricky thing here is you had you had Tiger Woods up there talking about how he wants to keep it like kind of keep it the same as it is and take on this money. I, I don't think that works. Uh, I, I agree with you, Andy. Like, it's obviously a great time to be a PGA Tour player. Like, what did Victor Hovland make this year with all the bonuses? Like something like 37 million dollars like he has very little incentive to want to see the pj tour model change and i think this the scotty shefflers the roy mcroy's uh the john roms of the world probably agree with you but like if a private equity firm is dumping a billion or two billion dollars into the pj tour like they're expecting a return on their investment sometime in the next two to three years like that's just how they operate and there's this general assumption that if the piff invests in the tour like they're playing the long game they're, it's just a bottomless pit of money and they don't care about a return. No, these are these are incredibly savvy businessmen who are expecting a return. They might have a longer runway than a private equity firm that's looking for a quick return, but they obviously do want a return at some point. The PJ Tour schedule right now, if you look at the signature events and these full-field events, and like I'm obviously curious to see how it's going to go in 2024. I do kind of like the cadence that they've come up with, and I think it could potentially be a success. It's but it's hard to imagine that it could be a success where you're somehow returning a, a billion dollars, right? In in revenue all of a sudden for the PG tour, just because you have 
the top players playing together more often. Like there needs to be wholesale changes to the PJ Tour model. I don't know how you feel how it should be, but like in my opinion, the PJ Tour has to be scaled down to like a 25 event schedule. Just the best of the best. Almost every top player would be playing because it's not too heavy of a workload. You think you would have uh, you would borrow some of the, the European tours, best events and incorporate them into kind of this worldwide schedule. You, you would have some element of team golf sprinkled throughout the year, similar to what the Ramco series is for the LET. Uh, that is a potentially a way that you could get a return, right? You have, you, you have uh, companies that either uh, uh, own the, own the teams or invest in the teams. Like that's a great way to do it. So, that is what, you know, pie in the sky stuff, the PJ Tour should look like. But those are really difficult decisions to make. Like there are clearly, clearly charities uh, who are involved here. There are sponsors who want to put on a PJ Tour event, right? They're willing to pony up eight, nine, ten million dollars to put on a regular PJ Tour event. But if you're Jay Monahan or you're Tiger Woods and you're saying, no, thanks, keep it. We're good here. Uh, and we're just going to scale down the schedule. It's it's hard to imagine they could get to that place, even though I think that's the place that they eventually need to get to. Yeah, I I agree with that um, sentiment, and I think the reason that you take on, you know, it's insane to be talking about this. The reason you take on a couple billion dollars is that so you can say, hey, we're rethinking our broadcast, we're rethinking where we go with our tournaments, we're rethinking our entire structure of this, of this tour. And we're doing that because we have enough money in the bank to do whatever we want. Like this is effectively, you take on the money to reset the PGA tour as we know it and come out with a new structure. It is not, this is not like a, put a bandaid on on the situation. Like, Hey, we got a bunch of money in and we're going to redistribute it to all the players. That's not what's happening. And I think there's like, some belief on tour that that's what's happening, right? Um, so yeah, just, I think just like, like just like making the just like making the Pebble event like a thirty million dollar purse, like that's that that doesn't that doesn't do anything. Like you have the exact same players you're going to have regardless. Yeah. They're just getting paid just a, a boatload more. That's not that's not what these like that's not what a private equity company is interested in, no. right? Like they aren't no, interested in just paying the players more. and making this a more entertaining product. The question is, how do you get there, and do you have the right people on the board with that sort of vision who can do it. Yeah. And I, I agree. Like to me, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that there's 45 or 47, whatever the exact number of events there are. Right. It's just, you know, if I turn on the TV and I think like Rory's Rory's um, said this a lot of times, like if I turn on the TV, it was particularly like after Delaware, like I should know that Rory Jordan Spieth, uh, you know, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, uh, Scotty Scheffler. I should know every time I turn on PGA Tour Golf, those are the guys playing, right? And you turn it on, you know, at RSM, a lovely event, right? RSM, lovely event. It's super convenient for guys, but it's like, who am I watching? Like, this is, in, and this is like kind of the, it'd be like if they, if they televised, you know, um, uh, Canadian football league games as NFL games. They do it's like, well, they, <laughs> they, do, nah. they, they do, they do, they do televise those. I'm saying, I'm saying like, it, but it was when you went on your TV guide, it said NFL football, 
and you're like, oh, NFL football, and you clicked on it, and then it's the Canadian Football League, right? Like That's that, fair. That's fair. You know, so I think like in terms of how you get there, the worldwide tour makes a lot of sense, right? Like the markets that you should be going to are the big markets, and are there 25 massive markets across the world that would that can pay up for a big event? And could it be a real schedule that you go to? I think like one of the things that's super interesting that you talked about is like the idea of cities and franchises um, and teams. Um, obviously, Liv, you know, is doing the team thing. But the Joe Ogilvy was on on this podcast and he talked about the idea of like cities having franchises, like the franchise tournament. And you have a tournament course in your city. And it's like everything's built around this, right? And that's like you start to build more equity, right? Like the pros play at this course once a year. Everybody knows the stop. It's kind of like becomes like the F1. You you start to hear these like the F1 fans. I'm not like a big F1 person, but I like t- I kind of pay attention to it. But it's like, oh, they're going to to this city. That tracks like this. It's super. It favors this. Like you know, all of a sudden you start to build like value more value in these tournaments than it's just like the like right now it's kind of crazy right like it's like it's the rsm classic right like what you know the sponsors getting value for that but like what value is the pga tour getting for that like they they don't have an identity the sponsor changes it's like the napa event i don't even you know it's like is it the fortnet still it was the Safeway. Yeah. it was the fries like you you are doing your brand disservice like when you have all these changes, right? Like imagine if like, you know, the University of Georgia Bulldogs like change their name every three years because they have a sponsor change, right? And I think this is the thing with this opportunity is it's resetting the whole deck. And it's, you know, I, I think like as a golf fan, the last couple of years have been really hard um, for for golf fans because of like everything going on. I do think like this, this framework thing is super, probably a little bit annoying, um, could be a little bit boring. I think that, like, at the end of the day, it's very exciting because you could get, when the dust settles, end up with, like, a, a way better version of pro golf than we've ever had. Now for a quick word from our sponsor, Club Champion. This is the biggest sale that Club Champion uh, ever does. So we've got just a couple more days uh, for you guys to get in on this deal. Uh, it is what you could do is you can get a hundred dollar full bag fitting uh, or a fifty dollar any other fitting with a club purchase. So you just need to buy a club. Like I, I one of the things I think with this is like if you're if you're smart. Go get your full specs done for a hundred bucks. Buy a club, uh, orc two or, or a set of irons, or a, you know, if you're in the market for a fairway wood and hybrid, just go get your full bag fit. Then you got your specs, and you can chip away at it over the course of the year if that need be, or get everything done. But this is the cheapest fitting that they offer. They are the premier club fitter in America. Uh, they have locations all across America. And if you book a, a fitting before the 4th of December, you can get this offer. Use the promo code FRIEDEGG and go to clubchampion.com. Uh, they've got locations all over the place. Uh, I've been using them my basically entire life. 
uh, and they do an amazing job uh, with fitting. You get really dialed. It's an awesome experience. Frankly, for like a hundred bucks, um, it's like kind of like a fun day um, to go get fit. I mean, you're talking about a couple hours of uh, hitting golf balls and trying out all the equipment and figuring out what's the best for you. It's a, a tour level fitting. So use the promo code FRIEDEGG. Go to clubchampion.com and book this before 12-4. So you need to book it by 12-4, and you have to complete the fitting by uh, January 31st of next year in order for this promo to apply. So clubchampion.com, and uh, thank you to them for sponsoring the show. I mean, if you listen to Jordan Spieth's press conference on Tuesday, like he's he said he has full confidence that the PG Tour will end up in a better place than it's ever been. The PG Tour has just never done scarcity particularly well. They've always had a bloated schedule. They want to dominate. They said if 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 we got sponsors who want to put up the money, like we're going to have a tournament. If they don't play on the PG Tour, they're going to go play somewhere else, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Africa whether it's Australia, whatever the case may be. And so you might as well put on a tournament. Their ethos has always been to cater to the members of the PG Tour. Now, we've started to see that shift a little bit in recent years, right? Like by by catering to the top 50, whatever it may be, with these signature events, it, it just, they need to lean into it. Like the PG Tour should be basically the elitist golfer, like the absolute best golfers in the world whatever that number is, whether it's 75, whether it's 100, and they play these 25 events and they play them around the world and they're playing for a lot of money. And I do think the team element, like did you hear the Jay Monahan uh, CNBC spot on Wednesday? Like he was talking not not if they're going to get a deal done with PIF, but when. And it's going to be this combo deal with the PIF and a private equity firm and, the, and they're both going to be pumping uh, money into the PJ Tour. That leads me to believe that that Live will just be reincorporated into the PJ Tour schedule. I I I I see what you're saying with the uh, with the kind of the city model. I think they're intrigued by what Live has done with with the team model, and there certainly is interest there. I I still think like when it comes to Live, like Live's more interesting off the golf course whether it's the free agency talk, whether it's the threat of relegation. Like what's what's going to happen to Matt Wolf? You know, that's what, what I'm worried that's, about. That's a, that's a burning question uh, at the forefront of my mind uh, as, as well. But like, so I think, I think that couldn't stuff get, they couldn't really... get a Richard, Richard Bland Wolf deal done in the off season. Right. <laughs> wonder wonder so, what, the, what was uh, holding it up. But like, if, if, if you're the PJ tour and you can get the best players, right. If you can have kind of this Dallas area team, with a Jordan Spieth and a Scotty Scheffler and a Tom Kim um, and a Will Zalatoris, right? Like if if that's your Dallas area live slash PJ Tour team, like I do think there's potential there. And if you can scatter that either throughout the PJ Tour schedule or put it in the fall where it's kind of this four to six event um, showcase series, like I do think there's potential there. The PJ Tour has just never done scarcity well, and they would have to make really hard decisions to pare down their schedule to get to a place that I think would most benefit fans and make it the most entertaining product possible. Yeah, saying no is a hard, hard thing. Yeah. So by, I think like what would excite me 
is the idea of of taking okay, we're taking away events on the PGA tour, right? Or whatever you want to call it. We're taking away events. We're making this a lot smaller, um, a smaller schedule, but we're expanding what is today the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour B. And I think there's a way for them. I think obviously what you guys have done at Golf Channel with the college game and starting to elevate the college game, they have the structure to be able to make a very compelling second level tour. And you make it super compelling with real relegation and promotion. Like not like this golden, like one of the other challenges the tour has is like, they like are never, it's like you lost your card, but you, you still have conditional status. Yeah. You know, like, and now be like a shorter window for, for these guys, like it's got to be like a, a two or three or year lifeline. Well, well, I think it's got to be like you're in or you're out, right? Like relegation means relegation, right? And I think like that's like because that's going to make the promotion really exciting, and it's going to make event to event really exciting as to who's on the cut line. Like last year, Justin Thomas doesn't make the playoffs. If you had, right, so, you, so, you, so you want Justin Thomas and Adam Scott to no longer be a part of the PG Tour in this new model? Yeah, like, and then Ooh. all of a sudden you can't. Got, well, you've got he just juice. finished. He just finished like what fifth or sixth in the pip. I'm just saying. Then you have real juice. It's the, the way the Premier League works. Like teams get relegated, and it's like the fear of God of relegation for fans. For like, it's like, I mean, Justin Thomas is playing poorly. Adam Scott's playing poorly. They might get relegated. It That is just like, when you talk about general interest in the sport, how do you make somebody care about an event? That is the most people can care, right? And and it also boosts your, your bottom, your product underneath. Because all of a sudden, there's interest in every event that Justin Thomas is playing on Beach, PGA Tour B. It's like, can Justin Thomas like get back up? Like this is this is insane that he's down there. If you had cutthroat real relegation, I think that the sport has so much interest week in, week out, and you could have like the way golf is, I, I think like there's this other illusion with PGA tour players, this offseason thing. They all want an offseason. But then none of like this year they had an offseason. None of all of them are playing. I mean most most of them have have sprinkled at least some sort of star, but you're like you had Max and JT going to Africa, right. you know, obviously for a, for a hefty appearance fee. But like a Scotty Scheffler has literally gone away since the Ryder Cup. He actually took a break. Like he popped he the money as playing 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 some pickleball. Break. He took a six week break. But I I also think I also think PJ Tour players, especially elite PJ Tour players, they're a little bit paranoid in thinking like if if they don't play. Yeah, for three months, like all of a sudden their magical gifts are going away. So, like, I actually think Scotty's six week break was perfect. It was enough for him to to go on vacation, go do other things, appear on ESPN, playing pickleball against the number one player, uh, and actually faring quite well. And then, like, you start ramping up again, and now he's actually excited to to play golf. I don't think anyone actually wants a three, a three month, month offseason. Yeah, nobody I, wants. I don't it. want it. I don't want it. You don't want it. The top players don't want it. But we need, we just need scarcity and a chance to catch your breath throughout the year. Like it all comes down to scarcity. I'm, I'm with you. I think there are too many PGA Tour members. I would, I would trim it down from 
125 to 100. I think 75 or 70 is probably a little bit too few, but like I, I'm, I'm with you. Scarcity makes a more compelling product in both the players and the tournaments. But again, you're talking about people. You're talking about people's livelihood. You're talking about them losing their jobs. You're you're potentially threatening their, their job, careers. You're, you're turning down a hundred plus million dollars. They're going to play if they if they don't if you have this relegation system. They're going to play a lot of events. There's 25 of those events. Let's just say, and the purse is four million bucks or whatever. And you have checkpoints through the year that people go up and down. Like if there's a quarterly relegation promotion piece to this i think it's like extraordinarily compelling like one of my biggest gripes with the with the uh designated events is these like these signature events signature events is these that's that's five that's five bucks in the jar (laughs) that'd be amazing if they did that to media (laughs) we had to contribute every time we missed every time we didn't pga tour in all caps we had to we had to donate to the FedEx Cup, FedEx Cup, one word. <laughs> the uh, one of the things like they didn't go, they didn't go for it with the like, hey, you, this is how you qualify, and only qualifiers are here. Like to me, that was a big miss, right? Like this is this is stuff that erodes the trust of Lanto Griffin, right? Um, this is how you appease everybody. Is like it is a true meritocracy. We're going with a true meritocracy. I was talking to a uh, someone associated with a a signature event recently. And I said, Hey, I got just like an off the wall question. Would you, would the sponsor have left if they didn't get the four sponsors exemptions? He's like, no, they don't really care about those. <laughs> like we have to talk about them now, but we don't care about the, about the sponsor exemptions. And it's like those sponsor exemptions are under the guise of, Oh, the sponsor wouldn't have done this. But really what it is, is like the players want those sponsors exemptions because now it's like Adam Scott, Jason Day, JT, they didn't qualify, which like in any other sport, you're washed, you're, you're out, you're out. It's, it's the most cutthroat thing in the world. Like, look at the NFL, look what's happening to running backs. It's like, oh, this guy was awesome, but fall off a cliff at 27. Yeah. Literally he doesn't have it anymore. He's gone. I'd rather have the 22 year old, right? Like golf. Golf is the most accommodating and, and they, I mean, they do everything to keep people around and I get why it's like part of like the, the fan interest thing, but like if they could just get a little bit more about, Hey, performance is the, the big thing here. I think it would go a long way because then all these other events have JT, Adam Scott, Jason Day as the headline stories, can they get back into the signature events? And instead, we have this world where they didn't qualify, but there's no ramifications for them not qualifying because they're just going to gobble up every single sponsor's exemption. Like, if you're if you're a tournament committee and you don't take those guys, you're you're just hurting your tournament, right? Like I think we're I think we're arguing I think we're arguing the same point. Like we we saw the uproar from from when they made the playoffs, one hundred twenty five to seventy. Like the the tours the tours middle class yeah was was furious because they were potentially jeopardizing them. Whether the whether the tour can actually make the decision to limit the number of overall cards. Like I'm, I'm with you. Like I think there's I think there needs to be a more severe punishment, uh, more compelling relegation, and you do that to me by bringing down the number of cards from one twenty five to a hundred. 
or 90. I think that's the way to go. I think, I think the big question, not to, not to belabor this yeah. point, like how much confidence, Andy, do you actually have that the PJ tour leadership at the executive level and the board level will actually come up with a solution that's similar to what you're saying. That is more compelling. That is a pared down schedule that does have a more intense and compelling relegation product. Do you actually have confidence that the group that is in place who are either longtime PJ tour players or longtime PJ tour executives, you think they can actually get to a place in 2025 where that's, where that's the, the PJ tour present. I think my hope is in the private equity money that comes in forcing this. I don't think I have hope in the existing leadership. What about you? Uh, I, I agree with you. Like if you're bringing in like a Fenway sports group, which is one of the, the, the firms that's, that's, that's bidding to invest in the PJ tour. Like they have experience in, in promotion and entertainment and branding. Those folks know what they're doing. And in collaboration with a tiger or a Spieth, like I, I, I think they can get to a place. I think the hardest part is going to be paring down the schedule and whether they actually want to do that. And I just said, uh, you know, Real quick, right back to it. You talked about like how the playoffs, how big of a deal, how how arduous it was to go to one twenty five to to seventy. Immediately, like, what were the reactions of at Wyndham of going to seventy? What were the re- the general reactions from fans about the change when they saw it play it out? I mean, Justin Thomas was was must see TV to see if he can get into, inside the playoffs. Yes, so like. Making making these and you things didn't and you didn't difficult. have that at the RSM, which was supposed to be the cutoff right for the 125. That was essentially the new Wyndham Championship, right? Like like that's where the new cutoff is, and you either have to to go to the Corn Ferry Tour, you got to go to Q School, whatever the case may be. Like you didn't have that same sort of buzz. Now is seventy is 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 seventy cards too few for the PGA Tour? Probably. Like you still have to fill out these fields somehow. That's why I think ninety or hundred. Is a little bit better, but I'm 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 with you. I think we're I think we're totally in agreement here. Yeah, it's like I think just in general. Last point is like why people are drawn to sports in general is the moments of people the tension, the tension, the tension, and the moments of these unbelievable athletes overcoming obstacles. And so, if you think about sports just from that lens, what you need to make the PGA Tour have is tension. And obstacles, and and with a with the current system, there's no tension. There's like JT can play terrible for like six years. Like he could be the he could be the twelve hundredth ranked player in the world, and he's still gonna get starts for six years. Like it, the the length of the clip. Like think about like Smiley's doing an awesome job in the second act of his career, but think about how long Smiley was still getting like eight to ten starts a year. When he was like done playing, right? Like, you know, like you see this. And so there has to be tension. There has to be obstacles for all these guys because that's what's going to make a really compelling sports product. That's why we love the majors. There's, there's tension. There's like the courses are, you know, present obstacles and, you know, there's only four of them. The, the, the scarcity of the majors creates this like oh if you, this guy doesn't like i think that's what like the secret sauce of the majors is is that there's only four and there's 25 players that we feel like 
that guy, that guy's got to get a major or that guy's got to get another major. And it's like, oh, there's only four of them. And there's 25 guys that we think should get a major this year. You know, scarcity, scarcity is compelling because there's a feeling like if you miss out and you don't nab one by the open, you got to sit around and wait for eight and a half months before the masters rolls around. And then when you get, when the masters rolls around, like the anticipation and the hype and the sense of urgency kicks in again. Like I all think those are very powerful motivators. All right. I'm going to ask the, the cliche question here. Like what can Tiger Woods win again? Can he win again? Oh, certainly. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think so. Working, working against him though, Andy is the, is the fact that he's only playing like these incredibly elite events Against the against the very best players, like we're not talking about should, Hero, right? You think like, he like we're should talking, go play, we're uh, about Riv. Go play Punta Cana? No, because that's not full <laughs> FedEx Cup points. And if he wants to qualify for the FedEx Cup play, playoffs, the culmination of the FedEx Cup season, uh, that's not how he should go about doing it. But like, so like the Hero is about to start in like an hour and a half, and I thought the last, I thought the last two years were really like a monument to Tiger's toughness and his grit and his commitment and dedication. But like, it wasn't a fun watch, like seeing him grit his teeth just to get through 72 holes or to, or to make the cut or like dragging his right leg up the hills at Augusta national. Like that, that was, that was not, that was not fun to watch. And so it'd be great if we can get back to a point in 2024 where we're, we're judging his golf and not like his, his pain tolerance, like a very compelling question that we could hopefully have answered next year is can he still hang at 48 years old against players who are half his age, who are bigger, stronger, faster, who hit it farther, who hit it closer, uh, who are better chippers and putters uh, of the golf ball than he is at this age. And he's really relying mostly now on his IQ and his, and his guile. Um, and so I think, I think that's the most compelling question. And to hear Tiger on, on Tuesday, I mean, that was, among the most optimistic that we've heard him in a long time. Now, I think a lot of people ran with the, you know, I'm trying to play four to six times and, you know, play monthly from February until July. Like that's been the goal for the past yeah. two years. It just hasn't come to fruition. It's not just playing the 72 holes of, of tournament golf. It's, it's the ramping up for that. It's the playing. It's the, it's the cooling down from that and recovering and then getting ready again. You know, the top players in the world don't have those sorts of physical limitations when it comes to their practice and preparation time that Tiger Woods uh is dealing with. Uh but from a from a, from a skill standpoint, he could he could certainly still win. Isn't it just amazing that he wants to play golf like after all this? Like I can't imagine all the stuff he's gone through and yeah. all the stuff he has to do to play golf. Like, you know, like I mean, the th- he has to get up like four hours before tea time. He's got an eight tea time. He's got to start getting ready for the round because of all of the body things at like four a.m. Like I mean, like and then when he put play- like him playing a tournament round of golf, and I would guess that him playing any round of golf is like a full day of work for his ramp up to get the body ready, and then the cool down, like getting the body ready to be done playing golf. Right? It it's just. I find it just amazing that he still has the will. I think that like speaks volumes to the uh, the level of like competitor he is. Is that like he just he wants to play so badly that he's 
I, I don't know how many people would subject themselves to everything he has to do in order to just play golf. Yeah, I mean, you certainly have to admire the the grit and the intensity uh, and, and the dedication to his craft. I think there's I think there's two things at work. Uh, one is that I don't think he knows how to do anything else. Like now he's obviously more involved in PG Tour matters. And I think that's obviously been very fulfilling for him. Like he has the he has enough downtime to really dive into this and and the, and the TGL stuff that got obviously delayed for a year. Like that's the sort of thing that can occupy his mind uh, and his time that typically PJ tour uh, tournaments would do as he's, as he's trying to get ready for that. And secondly, I, I think as a, as a, as a stubborn and a proud champion, they all want to go out on their own terms and on the highest note possible. I think if tiger knew what he what he knows now and how his leg is and what would happen in 2021. Like he probably would have walked away after winning the masters in 2019. And yet now there's sort of this, this, this wonderment about him of, can I still do it again? Can I, can I put Humpty Dumpty back together again? And can I summit the mountaintop one more time? And then I can officially be satisfied and, and I can be done. And so that's kind of, that's kind what of what do you think that mountaintop is? Do you think it's a major? Do you think it's a yeah. regular PGA Tour event? I don't think he's going to play enough regular PGA Tour events for for that to even be is a it, factor. Like is he, it winning? He, a he, like he's probably is it winning? He, like he's probably he's ever done it. <laughs> that's 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 just like the holy grail for him. Like it's 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 <laughs> obviously it's obviously not going to happen uh, at, at Riv. But like I wouldn't totally discount him contending at Augusta National. I wouldn't totally discount him. Uh, contending at an open championship like you could do that at advanced age uh, assuming that his body can at least stay in in one piece now if 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 walking like one of the most foundational aspects of tournament golf is no longer the the primary hindrance for him and he just has to deal with some assorted uh, uh, knee or hip or or back pain like i i think that's actually a a, a boon to tiger's prospects moving forward yeah i mean I... <laughs> We see him continue to make cuts at Augusta National when he can't walk. So this is like the where you have to have optimism. It's like if he can, I mean, we watched him last year. I mean, that was like the last the four holes of that, of that, him playing to make the cut was like excruciatingly painful to watch. Yeah. It was just pouring rain. He was, you could, he slipped and you could tell he just like something got, really messed up when he slipped and it's just like if he can make the cut in that state is it if if he's four shots better he's in contention you know yeah like that's that's what i'm saying like there's that's that's why discounting him if if walking is not the main concern anymore i think is i think it's just foolish and 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 it'd be an appropriate ending if you know arguably the greatest player of all time certainly the greatest player that i've seen in my lifetime, he he should be the oldest major champion in history. Like that just feels that just feels appropriate. Coming for Phil's uh, Phil's coming for Phil's, Phil's title once 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 again. Phil, if if Tiger has any say about it, Phil will not have that record to himself. All right, now for a quick word from AG One. Listen, I, I've been uh, battling a little bit of a cold. Um, and, you know, really, I think back to about a year ago, I wasn't feeling my best. I had just gotten done with a big year of travel. I was, uh, I was sluggish. I just didn't, I didn't feel great. 
Um, and lately, I've been dealing with a cold with my daughter. And if you're a longtime listener, you might know that uh, you know the thing I turned to was AG1. I've been drinking it for about a year. And when I started drinking AG1 daily, I just noticed a lot more zip. I uh, I felt better. I was, you know, my my health just felt like it was in a better place. I I had more energy. I was able to focus on things more. And that's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. Not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support and magnesium and B vitamins for energy support. So I recommend this to my family, my friends, everybody. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs. Super handy things to have, especially around the holidays with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash thefriedegg. That's drinkag1.com slash thefriedegg. Check it out. Now back to Ryan Lavner. All right, I wanted to talk about other tiger, other stuff other than tiger. Um, just kind of at the end of the year, uh, what were your three uh, favorite moments from twenty twenty three? Three favorite moments. Um, personally, like I think back to the Masters. I did a long story on Sam Bennett, the former uh, yeah. Texas A and M player who had a great Masters. You. That did work out for me. I thought that was something that like it would it would run on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, and never again. And instead, he ended up playing in like what the penultimate group uh, on the weekend. But seeing Sam Bennett's mom uh, on Friday at the Masters, that was the first time we'd actually spent time in person. Like I did that whole interview uh, over Zoom uh, on camera because she had COVID and it was a whole thing. Um, and so seeing uh, the impact that that had on her um, was kind of a great personal reminder of of how many people do read or do listen to us and and actually care what we do. So that was kind of personally uh, satisfying. A couple other that moments. That was a great, article, a, a great story, just in general. You know? uh, well, thank you. Um, and I would, I would kind of package these other ones. I thought like one of the themes of the year, I'd be curious if you if you agree, was, was one of like personal satisfaction. And you think of the examples of like Victor Hovland overcoming a, a dire weakness in his game to become a complete player and arguably the best player in the world as we sit here on November 30th. A, a Brian Harmon, who this former phenom, this all everything well, is a junior player. Homer, Homer Georgia Homer, call right there. I mean, we got we got we got a big game on Saturday. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. Like, 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 like validating all the promise from from two decades ago and becoming a major champion and a dominant one at that, um, at at, at the age of 36, I thought was really cool. And then kind of like one of the I think defining moments for me was, was Roy McIlroy's Ryder cup. You know, we all remember the, the tearful um, exit at whistling straights, feeling like he'd let himself down, feeling like he let his teammates down uh, all the turmoil and the tumultuous nature of golf over the past two years. And to see 
the impact that it had on him in some of the quiet moments when Europe won this past year, Marco Simone, and to have his best Ryder Cup ever, to be the leading points getter for Europe, just to see the impact that that had on him personally and tears for a different reason, uh, you know, one of personal satisfaction. Uh, I thought that was one of the highlights for me, at, at least in this job. I think, yeah, I think that's uh, those. Those are all great moments. I uh, something that made me trigger your Hovland um, comment, right? So he becomes this great chipper, and almost at the same time when this player goes from having this glaring weakness to no weaknesses, right now as we sit here today, it's like, wow, is he the best player in the world? Almost running par- like across, like two ships passing in the night is is who we thought was this the best player in the world with no weaknesses having like this giant ga- gapping hole in their game up here with Scotty Scheffler with the putter. And at the yeah. same time, like Hovland, like his arrival was at, at the PGA really. I think that's where it was like, Whoa, this guy is, you know, he's getting better. He's doing it under the gun. Everybody kind of thought you're going to see that. I mean, he was, like, he was, he was second to last group at the masters though, too. Yeah. Like he had a, he had a great master's performance as well. And then obviously the bunker happened at the PGA, but he was in the he was in the thick of everything, like all year long. Yeah. And and at that PGA, Brooks comes out of like I just think like in general, it's like this what's beautiful about golf as is like it's un it's unconquerable, except for like the only person we've really seen conquer is Tiger, right? It's yeah. like these fa- these these phases and it, you know, you saw Brooks at the beginning of the year on that full swing, just like, I mean, he went to Oman and he shot 74, 78. And it's like, is this guy toast? And he comes back and he wins. And it's like this, this fragility, the, the fragile nature of the sport where it's like, and then you see it all play out. Brooks comes back, Victor ascends, Scotty, like now it's like, can he win? Can he win a major with the putter? Right. And like, I, Honestly, like something that gets me excited. I asked you to put together some things that you're excited about for 2023. I'm fascinated about the Zalatoris broomstick. Like, it, like I am. I can't wait to watch the hero today because if if Zalatoris has it becomes a plus putter, is he the best player in the world? Like, I'm not. I'm not going to do your little silly game of of predictions because I'm literally the worst at them possible. <laughs> Rex was giving me Rex was giving me grief this week. Uh, my player of the year for 2023 at the beginning of the year was Xander Schauffele. Uh, He is currently winless. Uh, my breakout player, like a player who's going to become a household name and just absolutely elevate to the next level was Will Zalatoris. Like I thought he'd given himself enough time coming off the the injury in the summer of 2021 uh, or 2022. Uh, all my years are running together. Uh, and that obviously wasn't the case with his back giving out. Uh, on the on the range of the gusts and national, like that's literally the worst pace place possible. But like, I I think maybe I think you're Will's just a year ahead. Maybe you're could this be is the thing. You could say that I am. I'm but I've picked Xander. I've picked Xander to win a major like every year since his breakout, <laughs> the 2017 U.S. Open. Uh, and I sit here at the end of 2023, 2023 still waiting. Uh, I just a, just a fine point on Will's outdoors. Like, I think he is a a massive asset to the PGA Tour. I think he is incredibly talented. I think he is in, is incredibly intelligent. I think his golf course uh, is 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 uh, golf IQ is absolutely off the charts. And if if this broomstick putter, the one that now has resurrected the career 
of Lucas Glover. It can, if it can just turn Will Zalatoris, as, as you say, into an above average putter, like I think that could unlock could unlock his greatness. And like Will Zalatoris has has always been a great player, right? Yeah. U.S. Junior Champion, multiple winner in college, put on a Walker Cup team. Like he's he's done a lot in in just a very short window. You hope that his back is healthy. Uh, you hope that this can kind of get out some of the heebie-jeebies from from inside four feet. Uh, there's no I, problem I'm, I'm, I'm inside four feet, though. The thing I, no, I one, of, one of the things that I love about Will Zeltoris most is that he's got like he's got like a little bit of attitude. Oh yeah, you know, like it is. He has there's that, a competitive there's a competitive arrogance. Oh, to Will Zeltoris, it oozes out of him, and it's like what you what you want from your best players, like, is, like, somebody that is, like, there is just supreme, supreme self-belief in that man. And I think, like, it it comes out as, like, a little bit arrogant, and I I think that is a delightful, um, it's what you want from your very best golfers. It is something, like, that Phil Mickelson has in spades, and what makes Phil Mickelson so, um, just, uh, interesting to listen to is that like there's this supreme confidence and in, in real like arrogance about what they can do on a golf course and i think that that zell Torres has that and if the putter like i he, he doesn't believe he's a bad putter uh, with a regular putter right like he doesn't think it's a problem which is like but in like it's like in a, like in in if you look at his major championship performance like he actually does putt better when the greens are harder the greens are faster and the and the the greens are more Undulating. His major championship performance on the greens is, is great. I, I think of Will Zalatoris, Andy, I don't know if you view this the same way, as like an American version of John Rahm. John Rahm, I would describe as competitively arrogant, but he's not he's not disrespectful. He's not boastful on the golf course. But you know when you see him on the golf course, he he knows more than likely he is the best player inside the ropes that day. He can hit all the shots. He's incredibly eloquent uh, when it comes to our job and kind of diagnosing the problems of of the day or talking about his round or future matters of the PJ Tour. Like, I, I would put those guys on the same pedestal in terms of uh, eloquence off the golf course and uh, just incredibly uber-talented and also insightful inside the ropes. To me, they're... They're they're virtually the same makeup competitively. Yeah, I I mean I think that that is a huge boon for the PGA Tour to have Zal Torres back. I mean, like you get you get Tiger back for maybe one tournament a month, and uh, you get Will Zal Torres back, and and they they definitely are in a better spot than they were last year, just from a product standpoint, because the they are two supremely watchable players, and I mean like. It'll be it'll be really cool to see here. Like I I think it breathes some life. Like you get Hero going into December, and then right out of it, I assume what Sal Torres is standing. Does he have? Does the medical get him into the signature events, or is he nope. going to be relying on the sponsored exemption? So there's another. He's going to be relying on the sponsored exemption. So well, he's, not, an- he's not. He's not going to be. He's like he's like be playing in Capitol. I think he said uh, on Tuesday that his first start's going to be at the American Express. So it's like as soon as he's back going, it's like, is is this guy? I wonder, like, with the back, did that? You know, last year he was talking about swing changes, right, and how he was making some changes, and that's a little scary with like in terms of like what he was before. 
Um, is that is that ball striking at the same level with what he needs to do to protect the back, and then that putter, right? And and all of a sudden, then you might have you know, you're talking about a. I think like last year going into the majors, like Del Torres is like, where is he in terms of the pecking order of favorites at a major? And it's, you know, Rom, Rory, oh, totally. Scotty. Totally. It's not crazy to think that, that Wills Del Torres is right there with his major championship pedigree so far. I mean, you could make the case that Wills Del Torres is the more comp- is the more compelling watch this week at the hero than Tiger. Like, you know what you're going to get from Tiger. He's, he's likely to be, competitively rusty having not played in seven months but you also know he's going to hit enough shots and produce enough speed on enough drives They're like oh like i could see him being competitive in 2024 but will zalatoris who is itching and ready to go he has admitted that he came back too quickly and wasn't 100 healthy when he started in january he said he hit all the shots he's shooting some super low numbers at home in dallas like he's ready to go I think he's he's curious to see how he's going to play this week, uh, but but no so uh, no more curious than than you and I are to to see what I believe is one of the best players on the PJ Tour uh, finally go back at it full time. All right, Lav, what do you, what do you got coming up? What do you got to plug? Uh, well, I was supposed to be. I mean, I'm just talking today. I I want you to know uh, that that you've got to be very special to me uh, to throw off my barbecue schedule that I was supposed to have. I was supposed to have a marathon smoking session uh, on my workhorse offset uh, has been derailed. We're now we're taping this now mid morning. Uh, so I just want you to know how special you are uh, that I would sacrifice that for you. Uh, other than that, uh, a bunch of stuff with Rex uh, to close out the year, a bunch of year end stuff. Uh, I'll be covering uh, at least a couple days of PJ Tour Q school back in the old school days where all the, all the dreamers and schemers uh, can actually get, their PJ Tour cards. I'm looking forward to doing that the week before Christmas. Yeah, Sawgrass Country Club uh, and Dyes Valley uh, across the street are going to be sharing duties. It's awesome. So the I, cards like, are so I think that's going to be great. Like it's it's like those guys aren't going to have great status, but like it's still a cool story to think that if you shoot the numbers, like you could have a PJ Tour card. Like I, I just think I, I think to like, like Eric it. Cole this year, right? Like Eric Cole's like should be the poster boy for everything. I mean. <laughs> This time last year, he was playing minor league tour events, right? Yeah. <laughs> last yeah. year, during I mean, the PGA Tour schedule, he was playing minor league tour, $1,000 to winter tournaments, and uh, and now he's now he's in every uh, signature event, right? I, I and, don't like, th- and like you think of how the you think of how the flow is going to go, right? In 2024, with the full field events, if you play well, and there's a cutoff, and then you get promoted, signature events, like in theory, theoretically. A, a guy who earns their card at this PGA Tour Q school who may have no status anywhere else somehow parlays that into a, a top 50 spot uh, on the PGA Tour. So that's that's something cool that we'll be looking forward to watching uh, over these next couple of weeks. I see the Blackstone in the background. How much uh, does that eat into like their standard grill? And 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 do you, have you found since you got that Blackstone that you use your regular grill very little? Um, that's grills, uh, plural. I have five grills, uh, in the backyard and that's not to mention the other three, uh, that I keep at my in-laws place. And so I have, I have a Blackstone griddle. So you're looking at, you know, breakfast, smash burgers, uh, fajitas, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, this direction, I have a pellet grill, 
uh i would like i would actually consider that more like my everyday grill than a blackstone i have a a drum smoker the pellet grill is the everyday grill Every, yeah it's a pellet grill it's so like i'm assuming you have a you have a gas grill I've got a gas grill and a Blackstone. I would love to to get another. You know, yeah, I want to get a smoker or something. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I feel like you got to uh, d- diversify your your grilling options. And so, like I I always say to people, do not get a gas grill, get a pellet grill. It it essentially takes the same amount of time to heat up to your desired temperature, and it's just way more versatile. You could either grill steaks on it, or you can smoke a pork butt. For twelve hours, uh, so I would I would definitely invest uh, in a good pellet grill. I also have a gateway drum smoker. Uh, I have a PK charcoal grill, uh, and I have a uh, workhorse uh, offset. That's a stick burner that you literally feed with with wood splits, and that's just that's just here. I got three more at the I got three more at the in laws house. It's uh, just just a man and his grills. It's, it's aspirational. Like, Your outdoor kitchen is aspirational. I mean, to me, it's it's therapeutic. This is. Like I live in Ponte Vedra. This is one you of the don't live in uh, six. You live in Nocatee. I live. I live in Nocatee. <laughs> I, I live in Nocatee. Like this is one of the six months that you actually want to be outside. I was actually thinking when you when you mentioned earlier in the podcast of having like these city teams that 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 you can that you can brand and and you can have different owners of. Like, how about a Nocatee team? How about a Nocatee team? How about how about Tyler well, Duncan? It's like the TGL uh, Jupiter team. It's, was, you got like, you got uh, San Francisco, LA, Boston, New York, Atlanta. Team Noc. I I could I could be like I that, could be like the general manager of this team. It could be Tyler Duncan, Hank Libiota, uh Adam Shank lives here uh, at least part time. I could I could be I could be the GM, and we could we could we could be tearing up the hot stove season. Who knows? That's uh. You know, I I'd like the team of 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 golfers that don't live in uh, Ponte Vedra, Jupiter, or or Scottsdale or Dallas. Like the team of like people that live in other places. Like obviously, Leish, Leishman would have been like the all star with the Virginia Beach, you know, uh, selection. But that yeah, like no, no Sea Island, right? Like you just like you make this team of 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 golfers who live in just weird places. D- DJ Pie is like the D- is like the GM of the Milwaukee the Milwaukee team. Yeah. Like yeah. I think I think we I think we would just love that. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks Lev and uh people can follow your work obviously you're uh you're on Twitter but the, the golfchannel.com. It's an easy spot to find and uh listen to the uh, Rex and Lev show. Uh enjoy it Andy. Always a pleasure being with you and look forward to doing it again in the new year. Yeah, I'll see you uh I'll see you probably at the Masters. I don't know. Maybe maybe Riviera. You can be at Riv. Uh, I will be at Riv. I look forward to seeing your entry uh, in the Masters Journal. I know that'll get me excited for the 2024 edition. All right. All right. See you. See you. See you in LA. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Friday Golf Podcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by Matt Ruches. Thank you, Matt. As a quick reminder, uh, check out Club TFE. This is an awesome gift. If you have a friend that's like really into golf, this is a great gift. What we just put up this week, we put up our November monthly member video. It was uh, Angela Moser talking about the new Pinehurst number 10. Uh, it was a, it was a really beautiful video. It was shot and edited and put together by Cameron Hurtis from our team. 
Uh, we recorded it while we were down at Pinehurst a couple uh, couple weeks ago, getting ready for next year's U.S. Open, and we also got a chance to go out and play Pinehurst number ten. That place is going to be awesome. But uh, this was uh, this was a beautiful video. Cameron did a great job on it, and and Angela Moser is a rising star in the golf architecture space, and it was really uh, fun to hear her talk about the project that she's been the lead associate on. So. Go check that out. Uh, join Club TFE. And if you're looking for like a, a gift for one of your golf sicko friends, uh, Club TFE is an awesome gift. Uh, so thank you guys. And uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Friday Golf Podcast. Yeah.